Dr. Amalia Ganyas-Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. This week's episode of Womanity, Woman in Unity is dedicated to the memory of Edna Malewa. Minister of Environmental Affairs, South Africa, who sadly passed away two years ago on the 22nd of September 2018. Her memory is a lasting legacy in the fight for gender equality. Today we're talking to Minister of Environmental Affairs in South Africa, Edna Molewa, and she has been Minister of Environmental Affairs since 2010. She was the former Minister of Social Development, and she is the Provincial Chairperson of the African National Congress Women's League in the Northwest. And she has been a member of the Provincial Executive Committee from 1996, and a member of the African National Congress Women's League National Executive Council since 2003. And today we are at the Women's League Quarterly Conference, and we bring the show to you from Pretoria. And I believe to add to your achievements that you are now acting president in the interim of the president and the vice president. That's correct, yes. Congratulations. So we now have our our first female president (laughs) of South Africa. (laughs) Thank you, thank you indeed. It's good that it happened. Actually, the swearing-in was on the 1st of August. So right in Women's Month. Right at the entrance of entry of Women's Month. Congratulations. Thank you. Minister, it's great to have you on our show. And I must share with our listeners that exactly a year ago, I had the honor to be with you on ETV's sunrise launch of Women's Month in 2013. That's quite a great show. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Came up with such brilliant ideas. I still remember. Yeah. Yes, I enjoyed it too. It was a a great introduction into our efforts with with Women's Mm. Month. But I I can't believe how quickly the time has has flown. It's already been like five months ago. (laughs) (laughs) Minister, today you hold one of the highest positions of office in government. And you, such in that role, you've become a role model for millions of women and girls in our country. Can you please share with us a few of the landmarks in your career? And when you understood that politics would become a big part of your destiny? Let me start with that part of politics becoming a big destiny. I think for all of us as women, probably also a man in South Africa, we all started from very humble beginnings. And the road was, the beginning of that road was just to engage in the struggle against apartheid. And therefore, because we were masses and masses and at different operating at different levels, that was a major objective. Never did any one of us, I think even at the time, look up to a time where one would be minister or would be MEC or would be whatever. Personally, I never had that in mind. All I had in mind was to fight this very awful system. And uh, in the process, we then, uh, you know, traversed. I then went into the trade union movement, which was my background, uh, and then also became the first vice president, actually, we're calling it deputy president, of a trade union movement that was known as 
Kausa then, now it's Sakao, South African Commercial and Catering Allied Union of South Africa, which operates in the uh, space of retail and uh, uh, the uh, shops, uh, retail industry in particular. So that then, you know, one thing led to another until at the time when, you know, we became, just by being elected as, as first vice president, we then serve in the structures of COSATU. But I must say that even at the founding of COSATU conference, I was there. So one of the founding members of COSATU. Right at the founding. Right at the founding, yes. Uh, but besides that, you know, as you know that we multifaceted, you can't operate only at a trade union level without having a base at home. Because after hours, you become a community member. I was then participating in the structures of the civic organizations then, but also in the underground movement. That's now for a liberation struggle. There were those who were operating from outside. That's a former MK, Unkonto Wesizu. That's now the army liberation, uh, uh, liberation of the people. But there are those who were operating from inside, obviously opening up ways. And up to the time of uh, Operation Vula, when people were to come back into the country, uh, I was a participant serving under a unit that's called Inchabele Unit. Those were serving in different units. And then, obviously, at community level, when yeah, we're dealing with issues about prices, taxes, and so on, all those bread and butter issues uh, through the civic movement. And then, of course, very importantly and most importantly, uh, I served also uh, back then. There, didn't, there wasn't a women's league operating, as you know, the labor move, movement. I mean, the uh, ANC as a movement was banned. And my understanding, ANC was founded in 1912. But That's in right. terms of the ANC's Women League, it only really came to be... Four years me. later. Actually, that was a time when women were even, for the first time, allowed to join an organization and have their own organization and be elected in the, in the structures and be leaders. Yes, but back then, then you know, there was an organization called FEDTRO, Federation of Transvaal... Uh, women, which was operating inside the country, because we had to find mechanisms of operating inside the country, aiding those of us who are outside, uh, and our leaders who are outside. It's structures like those, and the structures like the UDF, United Democratic Front, that we're part of. And uh, all those, uh, you know, participation then groomed uh, you know, us all. I think many people may actually underestimate the level of education, the level of training you undergo uh, under those circumstances. And an incredible amount of organization. Absolutely. In the time that you were doing all of this, we didn't have the platforms of technology and communication that we have today. Definitely. And you had to really be there and organize big meetings at times of the whole community without cell phones, without, with only faxes. And the, what do they call it, this thing that, uh, that we just used to receive messages only? The beeper. The beeper it was not even there. It came much, much later uh, during the process. But all those organi you know, organizations, I think also with the spirit of the willingness of people in the country, everybody had 
one vision and we're all sharing that. Of course, there were those, uh, you know, in between who would say, no, you know, these are, they, you know, it's wrong to fight, it's wrong to do that. But there were just a few of them because we all knew that the system is bad and we all had to fight the system. So as a woman, I knew that you had to work three times harder than men. And that's quite important because if you don't, you will always be left behind. So you've got to, how shall I put it, prove yourself in a way to these colleagues of yours and these comrades of yours. But also at the same time, you had to be home and bear children. I have four children. One of them was actually born at the age of three and a half months. I, I was taken away from her, him. He was still sucking at night at 3 a.m. And then the last time I saw, the next time I saw my child was walking, almost a year and a half later. Wow, minister. So, yeah, you, you then, you know, have those circumstances, the home front of keeping the fires burning, ensuring that the children do not just go wild and they just grow under care and also getting trained to become good people into the future, adults that are really responsible. So all those things are not quite easy, I'm saying. I think that's a strength. That's where the, the real uh, training comes from. Uh, leading up to now, I think up to the time when one got, got into parliament, it was just chalk and cheese, um, or easy ride to just a different platform and a different operation, because we now had to put into practice what we learned, what we've been fighting for. And naturally, I don't forget this. Uh, our leadership took certain decisions amongst them. I'm just picking on one, was to, to do away with uh, uh, that which was called the weapons of uh, arms for mass destruction. That was the first bill that I passed when I became a member of parliament in 1994. And I was the chairperson of the portfolio committee. I didn't even know what this thing is. What does it have to do with the people who are hungry there that have been fighting for, so, for such a long time? What does this mean? I mean, we then had to learn. And definitely learning on our feet and being the chairperson of Trade and Industry Portfolio Committee is facing business, learning new culture of how business works and understanding how we can actually just navigate and ensure that we assist those of our people who would require small businesses development. And obviously, in that process, what we have been looking for is transformation, transformation, transformation in everything that we do. What is it in it for women? Where are women in these structures? In these boards of IDC, Industrial Development Corporation, where are women? And, uh, you know, those kinds of things, yeah. We'll be right back after this. Hi, I'm Yvonne Chaka Chaka, the United Nations Goodwill Ambassador on Malaria in Africa. You are listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, a program against racism, socio-economic class division and gender-based violence. You're listening to Womanity, Women in Unity on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance on frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band. We're celebrating Women's Month in South Africa and talking to Minister Edna Malewa, Minister of Environmental Affairs in South Africa. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Now picking up on our discussion. 
think South Africa with the ANC, we've gained tremendous achievements in the last 20 years of democracy, particularly concerning women's representation in Parliament. But unfortunately, in the last election, we lost power from moving from 44% of women towards 40%. And although the decline wasn't necessarily the ANC's fault of losing women representation, but rather it was the low representation from the other parties who, who gained power. Do you think that perhaps women have to decide, with all due respect for politics and gender equality, that that should be first on the agenda of every woman, no matter what it relates, religion, culture, socioeconomic class? Because only when we've achieved a 50% representation of women across the board, when we have that equality component, can we have the luxury, I believe, of putting political opinions first? Well, I think... Uh Maybe I should start with that question of putting political opinions first. It's important to note that wherever women uh, get together to fight for a particular cause, we actually don't see, very often don't see political boundaries, uh, cross-party lines. And let's just start with the 1956 march uh, led by the ANC Women's League back then. Uh, here in South Africa, it was in, in the federal uh, form. Uh, it really was joined by over 20,000 women yes. from all walks of life, from different political affiliations, and so on. So once an idea has been conceived that has got where we have commonality, we all get together. We often see this happening in South Africa now, when there's uh, abuse of children and women, no woman from another political party would stay away and say, no, it's not my issue, except in representation. Now, precisely the point you raised. We think that there is a, well, let me just say, it's actually a effect that we have quite a pool of women with capacity and capability uh, throughout South Africa. Those who have been through this training that I was alluding to naturally gained their experience. So we have no doubt that there is a pool of women who can actually represent South Africa in Parliament, in all the structures. We've got the capacity. Uh, But then the issue is how do other parties get that representation? We saw that uh, traction and the re, what retreats a bit possibly coming. And this is the reason why last year there was an introduction of what we call the Wedgie Bill, Women yes. Empowerment and Gender Equality, that to be signed for by the President. Uh, I think the President would still be studying that because there were certain issues that were raised by other people. See, once the President has got to ascend to a bill, it's got to go through, it's got to ensure that it, it, there's no uh, possible uh, s- possibility of sending that back either through parliament, through courts, or something like that. So, yes, uh, that was the intention to get at least a bit of a movement forward. So the the Wedge Bill was saying that there should be incremental uh, approach by part- political parties, and say, fair 50% tomorrow. But over time, especially in the private sector, where there's and the no movement at all. The private sector, really, I mean, since we sat a year ago and I look at the figures, 
quite honestly, there really has not been much change. There Absolutely. are still exceptionally low numbers of women within our private sector, particularly in CEO positions and on boards of directors. Uh, there was a study by the Business Women's Association South Africa in 2012 across JSC-listed companies, and it indicates that only 3.4% of CEOs are Fair women. is scandalous indeed. I think it's worrying. And when we've got aspects like the, the Women Empowerment and Gender Equality Bill to, to try to accelerate representation, what is your intake on that? How can we fix things in the private sector? I think, like I was saying, that we join hands with women in the private sector. It's important that we really work much harder in ensuring that women who are in politics because we are representatives of the people, join hands with the women in, in the private sector. Because we believe that more often than not, they find themselves lonely there. Among those dark suits, if you are one or two, uh, yours wing as usual to work three times harder than them. And you've got to be proving yourself. Uh, obviously, with the, uh, the lens that people look at women through, they then see a weaker uh, element. In private sector, it's still like that. So this is a different field. It's business. It's not space for sissies uh, or for weaker uh, people. And I think that those are the real issues that pertains to what we mean when we talk about the patriarchal tendencies. So because you, you really look at people with a patriarchal lens, and there's the, then this woman can't be fit to be here, can't be fit to be an MD, can't be fit to be an executive of some sort and so on. So we need to come in, and this is what the Wedge Bill was trying to say, that would then require plans from everyone in the society, employers, and these uh, executives also to say, how are we working on ensuring that we bring? And we're not asking people to bring people who may not be knowledgeable but at least on merit, and they should work on that merit. We do know that people, women with merit, do exist in those sectors, just that they are not found. When we look deeper, we'll be able to find them. And the, 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 the bill was trying to get people to actually feel a little compelled to do something and I over think incremental. With what you're saying, and this is a sentiment that I picked up with numerous conversations that I've had with other women, it's not about the women proving themselves. They've already proved themselves to each other. They know they have the capabilities. But it's about being able to change the mindset on the other side that that is where the resistance is. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's where the resistance is. And in, in fact, this is what we understand by how a patriarchal mind functions. Because if you resist just on the basis that I think uh, this person is not suitable, Whereas you have not given this person a chance. This is preconceived, preconceived ideas. ideas. We have seen women with merit who are thrown into the deepest and then they swam. The South African government, women minister in the defense, very difficult portfolios, and they are making it. Education. I mean, our minister, education, just basic education, just turned that whole education system around and moving on. I mean, it has been proven. Where else did they learn to be ministers? It's just by being thrown into the deepest end because you have meticulous fingers and mind that functions with logic. You will get there. And this is how we're making it. 
So let these other ones in private sector also be given that chance. And that debate, I think, needs to be mounted more and more. Because the more we keep quiet, the more people think that it's okay to do it. It's using our voice. Hmm. And do you think that part of that will help by having aspects like the words you build in place? Because, let's face it, nobody likes to give up power. Nobody likes to take their piece of pie away. Um, but by having an act of legislation in place, that is something that, that promotes equality and empowerment. Absolutely. And it promotes it very nicely. It's not saying have 50% tomorrow. It says present your plan of how you get there. That will then make this wedgie bill, will then make the executives to begin to look where they say they can't find somebody and then know that these people are actually there and they are existing. How do we bring them on? Even if it means that they put them in a program that's really just to satisfy their egos. Because with women, already they have met that satisfaction. We'll be right back after this. Hi, my name is Yvonne Chaka Chaka, an ambassador for the Nelson Mandela Children's Hospital. You are listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, a program against racism, socio-economic class division, and gender-based violence. Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amalia Malka every week on this day at this time. You're listening to Womanity, Women in Unity on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, on frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band. We're celebrating Women's Month in South Africa and talking to Minister Edna Malewa, Minister of Environmental Affairs in South Africa. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Now picking up on our discussion. Going back to our point of advice that you would give girls to follow in your footsteps should they choose to pursue a political party? The what girls. would you what would you say to You mean the girls? The girls, our young girls in society, planning their future prospects. Hmm. When, when we were young, we never used to have um, technology as advanced as it is right now. We now have social media, we have different kinds of communications. We also, by the way, have overabundant opportunities. For me and for all of us, I think in the ANC in particular, we say education first. It's important that will then help you unlock all the doors. Uh, then your capability, natural, will come in but acquire education. For the young generation, no matter how tough it is, let them please realize that we're spending a lot of money is priority number one in South Africa because we realize how, how important education is. But yes, with that, let's not rush into politics. If you get into politics, because the situation is quite different from where we are, we got different training. With the younger generation, they've got to go and study political science and master that, and then even practice. And the practice field is not provided for like we were provided for with. So the, the, the uh, changes that have happened require that people brush up their mental status so that they can then be able to comprehend through education and being certificated and qualified for them to knock everywhere and be anywhere. And that's what I want to encourage 
our younger generation as women that yes, we are role models in political space, they can make it too, and they really need to study. And because we were not provided with an opportunity of going through the schooling and classes and universities, majority of us, they have. They have very many careers to choose from. When we grew up, there were only three potential professions, police, teacher, nurse. That's what you could be. We never knew about engineers and so on. They have overabundant opportunities. The task was limitations of what we could achieve. Absolutely. And I think that what you've mentioned now, I think, is one of the most important things when we talk about and this year with, with Women's Month. We're celebrating the 60th anniversary of the Women's Charter. These are all elements, foundations that have been put in place for helping the next generation build from. And as you've said, this information, this knowledge has been provided by the administration for young people to start building on and, and go. Precisely. As we celebrate the 60th Women's Charter, it's important that perhaps the starting point must be that what were these women thinking back then when they put this charter in place? Because it does say this is our guiding document and our guiding principles are contained in there. Where do we want to be into the future? And those things are spelled out in economics, in social, all the spheres of life. In the trade union movement, where do we want to go? How do we really want to ensure that we are part and parcel of the society going into the future? So all those are spelled in there. And as the young generation, young women in particular, understand the charter, we will live the charter, we will want to strive for what it actually provides. And therefore, we will not go wrong. It is important that we are guided. We don't just, don't just you know, wish for anything that we come across. No, there's a strategic vision. There. Absolutely, it is a strategic vision. So you have make choices on the basis of where the country is going. And with this whole information, we are there to back them, to serve as role models, as mentors, on a continuous basis. I'm mentoring some three children right now. And they come from time to time. We sit around and say, how did you make it? How do you ensure that you become a fully-fledged person who really, right from appearance, appearance, you make sense and then you make a statement so that you can then, whatever you present later, follows your appearance and those kinds of things. So those are the issues that we are discussing and we start right from there. It's so important, Absolutely. especially with the knowledge that you've got to be able to, to impart and give back. Mm. And now turning to your role within the, um, the environmental affairs sector, can you share with us if there are any specific milestones that you want to achieve in this new term of office? And is, for instance, women's representation in the ministry one of those priorities? We are very fortunate indeed that uh, environment function is fairly new in South Africa. Before 1994, it was not holistic. We had biodiversity, as it is right now, South Africa is the third mega diverse country of the world, third after Brazil and Indonesia. A lot of work was done around that, a lot of work was done around conservation. But environment as a three pillar uh, approach development of development has not quite been looked at. And I think even up to the time when I started in this ministry, there has not been a complete a holistic look at how one can view and should view environment. It's our natural resources, 
that are a base for life, uh, the li providers of life, uh, and all those resources, without which there won't be any economy, there won't be any social development. And following that, therefore, the three pillars of development uh, that has got to be based on environment as a pillar, secondly, is the economic development and the social development, meaning that we've got to utilize our resources in a sustainable manner. That's how I'm moving this ministry now towards that direction. So it's not just about a protection of a plant in the interest of a people, in the interest of the economy, but that we must all utilize this in a sustainable manner so that we grow. We have women, young women as a younger a latecomer of a, a department. Uh, my department is led by a very able woman. She was the DG of the year last year. Well, congratulations. Thank you. She works hard, very young. If she walks in here, you won't think that she's such a dynamite. They always come in small packets. And uh, other people, you know, there are quite a few ladies there at deputy director level. We have almost 50% qualified specializing. And the specialization is in these different fields of environment. Of course, the oceanogram is headed by a man, but immediately after, there are women. Uh, in the space of uh, waste management, there are women. We've sent many of them and we've given bursaries. We continue to give bursaries and ensure that they really train. One of the programs that I'm very proud of, which we really want to nurture and take through, is a program that we called Khrun Sebenza. Khrun meaning green, Sebenza meaning work. We're working for green. It's a program where we've taken in 800 young people. Over close to about 600 plus of them are graduates. Uh, university graduates. University graduates. Some even with postgraduate qualifications. They were not able to find jobs in South Africa. We took them in. We looked at the various institutions across the country, like your South African National Biodiversity Institute, which is our body, or in all the parks of the country, in um, organizations such as the WWF, and so forth and so forth and negotiated spaces for them, for them to be mentored there. They are now under stipend. We're paying them through a program, a funds coming from Jobs Fund, which is in the presidency and being distributed by finance and treasury. So that program runs for a period of three years, and those who are artisans are two years, but we're getting them to just be there and really develop their, brush their skills and be mentored, sharpen their ability. And we've seen, I, I, it's really, really fascinating. The day we're welcoming them and launching this project, you could see confidence that oozes from those young women. Most of them are women, about 60% of them, oozing out. And they are creative, thinking about what can be done through a problem like this one, let's tend this problem and find solutions. So they are there. Quite a number of them have already been placed. It's about 58 of them. We have now got permanent jobs. And we see this program as a training program, training uh, avenue for them. That is a great It's really great. Because it's providing yeah. them with the work experience mm -hmm. and, and knowledge. 
Mm. I think that that is a significant initiative that is being funded mm. through the department and into the country. We'll be right back after this. Hi, my name is Yvonne Chakachaka and I'm UNICEF and Rollback Malaria Goodwill Ambassador. You are listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in the struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy. A program against social ills such as racism, socio-economic class division and gender-based violence. Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amalia Malka every week on this day at this time. Now, picking up on our discussion, talking to Minister Edna Malewa, Minister of Environmental Affairs in South Africa. In closing the discussion, and in light of South African Women's Month, can you please use this platform, our Channel Africa, to send a message of hope to all those women in Africa who are listening to the conversation And possibly, due to their circumstances, gender equality may not be first on their agenda, and rather their focus is on the daily struggle of taking care of their family, raising the children, putting food on the table as a a more pressurizing reality. So if we could just offer a few words of of wisdom and hope. Just using an example of looking back where we were as South African women uh, a few years ago, We had our grandmothers, our great-grandmothers, as I've already said that, those were not even allowed to join an organization. Those who were not even allowed to go to school. Uh, It would be said that uh, you educate a boy child and not a girl child. They really went through difficult times for our own sake. And there we are, here we are today. We've transcended because we knew that we are walking on the shoulders of women, strong women who led this way and really suffered for our sake to get better opportunities for us. So it doesn't matter wherever you are, in any part of the continent, in a village or in a country where women's rights are still being looked down upon. It doesn't matter where you find yourselves. Yours is to develop just one thing, confidence. And then try and acquire education. If you can't, try and learn at work, learn through others. Really just see how the doors will open. Ours must be to want to succeed. And that, just the desire to succeed, carries you through so much. Just a mixture of that with confidence will carry you through whatever difficult time you are into. It's never too late. Dr. Madiba said, it's not over until it's done. So we will get there, all of us. Thank you very much, Minister Thank you. Thank you. It's great to have had you on our show today. Appreciate your time. Thank you very much. You have been listening to Humanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.